What's going on, New York Giants fans? Another Saturday, another podcast episode. If you haven't already, like, comment, subscribe, turn on notifications so you know when a live stream pops or drops. Only about 35% of you guys are subscribed to the channel, so please, it is important to subscribe. Help us out the algorithm, gives us more subscribers, and we get more great content to you guys constantly making upgrades in terms of content equipment and all that other stuff if you're on spotify podbean all these other platforms please keep following so another giants game week day before the game the giants play the new orleans saints at mercedes-benz superdome and i think it's still called the Superdome. I don't know if they changed the name because I remember it was supposed to be like Caesars Superdome or something like that. Maybe I'm confusing stadiums. But anyway, they're playing in New Orleans. Uh, the Saints, they're going to be playing in New Orleans for the first time in like forever because of the hurricane that hit down there. Uh, once again, wishes and best concerns go out to the people that were affected. Um, but it's a big game for the Saints. Not just, oh, we're 2-1, and one, blah, 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 blah. It's another home game, blah, 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 blah. No, it's the fact that they're returning to their home stadium. And they're returning to the people of New Orleans. So, this is a big game for them, emotionally. But for the Giants, it's a big game, not really emotionally. It's just like, hey, we're 0-3, let's get a win, right? But we'll see. We'll see what happens to be honest, I'm not really optimistic. I think the Giants are going to lose this one. But once again, predictions are best saved for last. So, we'll obviously do injury report, practice squad protections, uh, positional matchups, rankings, things to watch. Or I should say things to look for, players to watch. Questions to answer and keys to win. So, let's get started. Uh, in terms of the injury report, Eric McCoy is out with a calf injury. And... For this one, I'm doing Saints first. For the next couple, I'll do the Giants first. Eric McCoy is out with a calf injury. Terran Armstead, their left tackle, is out with an elbow injury. While Demario Davis, you know, he was listed on Thursday's injury report, but uh, that was a personal issue, so he will be on the field for the Saints on Sunday. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore, who had a hand injury, he's coming back. He's going to be playing and same thing with Jameis Winston who had a knee concern but once again they're both going to be playing on Sunday in terms of the Giants uh Sterling Shepard Darius Slayton out with hamstring issues in terms of uh Ben Bradison he was ruled out as well with a hand injury Matt Skura is likely playing the left guard position on Sunday which means the fourth left guard in four weeks for the Giants. That's not good. That's not good. But the Saints didn't use any practice squad protections. I'll go to the Giants anyway. Wide receiver Dante Pettis. Defensive tackle David Moa. Offensive lineman Jonathan Harrison. Who's the center as well. And offensive tackle Corey Cunningham. I think he's been protected the last two weeks. Uh, he spent some time with the Patriots and the Cardinals for a few years. He was an undrafted free agent back in 2018. So, we're moving right along with these subjects. Let's get into positional matchups. Obviously, the way I do things here, it's quarterback, running back, whatever position. I go how they look on paper and how they look in terms of production this year. So, let's get right into it. 
I looked at stats and I actually wrote down what I'm not going to say here, but you'll see that when I get to it just in like a minute or so. So in terms of the quarterback room, it looks like on paper New Orleans is better. I think Trevor Simeon is somewhat of a more established backup quarterback. Taysom Hill's a gadget guy, you know, special teams, wide receiver, running back, quarterback, you know, he can do it all. And then you have Jameis Winston, who did look good last year. So on paper, they're better in the quarterback room. Daniel Jones threw 11 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and also fumbled, I think, 11 times or something like that. I don't know. Um, It was 11 or 7 times, whatever. So you look at the quarterback production, I think I'm going to go with Daniel Jones and the Giants here. Because you could say, oh, well, Jameis this, Jameis that, whatever. I think he has seven touchdowns and like two interceptions on the season. Or seven touchdowns and three interceptions. Something around that. But his yards per game is extremely down because the pass percentage for the New Orleans Saints is last in the league at like 43%. So they're not passing the ball too much. And I don't blame them because Alvin Kamara, you know, he's a good running back. They have Tony Jones and Taysom Hill in the backfield as well. Also to note that Michael Thomas and Traquan Smith are not on the field, so you have to deal with guys like Marquez Callaway, I think his name is. Uh, Some of the other guys, Chris Hogan, I think, even is a wide receiver for them. There was one more name I had in mind, Little Jordan Humphrey or something like that. But those are not quality wide receivers for the NFL level, so I could see why they run the football more than they pass the football. And obviously... They wouldn't be passing the football less if the running game didn't work. The running game for them is actually pretty good. You could say, oh, well, they only get like 3.4 yards per carry. Well, obviously big plays and just having Kamara as a presence both in the running game and in the receiving game and Taysom Hill being a gadget guy, that works for the New Orleans Saints. That works, and that's why they're 2-1 and and not 0-3. So I'm going to go, in terms of quarterback, I'm definitely going to go with the Giants in terms of production. Now you look at the running back room, which is a little bit of a different story. In their running back room, Alvin Kamara, they have Tony Jones. Uh, They still have Dwayne Washington, who played against the Giants a couple of years ago when they faced in New York. On paper, I'm going to have to say the Giants. I wrote the opposite on my plan paper. But in terms of production, I'm definitely going to stay with the New Orleans Saints. Barkley, he's coming around. He's not there yet because of the ACL. Devontae Booker was inactive last game, which didn't make any sense because he's paying, being paid all this money for a backup, and he's not even you know, getting into games like that. And then you have Gary Brightwell, who's been okay. He hasn't been you know, anything special. Had a penalty last week as well. And then you have Eli Penny, you know, who's a fullback, but he's running to the outside for some reason when he really is a north-south guy as a fullback. But in terms of production, I'm definitely going to take the New Orleans Saints. And in terms of on paper, I'll take the Giants. But once again, production matters more than what you have on paper. So you go with the wide receiver room. I'm going to take the New York Giants on both of these. Now, obviously, has the New York Giants wide receiver production made them win games? No. It's not really the primary reason that they're winning games, that they're losing games. It's been a factor, but not a big factor. In terms of the Giants wide receivers on paper, Kadarius Toney, Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, all these guys. 
Then you look at the production, the Giants are there. I mean, Kenny Galladay, when he's targeted for receptions, 64 yards, Sterling Shepard, even though he's going to be out for this game, you know, he's grinding the yards. Kadarius Tony when he gets targets. The production's there for them. And obviously, you know, is it fair to say, well, the Giants are totally better? Not necessarily, but it is in terms of talent, in terms of some type of production, because let's remember that the Saints are last in pass percentage. And their wide receivers are Chris Hogan, Little Jordan Humphrey, Marquez Callaway. You know, they're not. NFL receivers well they're not I can't say that they're NFL receivers but they're not starting caliber Marquez Callaway kind of proved that a little bit wrong in the preseason I don't know how his production has been thus far I know they've been spreading the ball a lot but anyway you move to the tight end position I'm gonna slightly go with the New York Giants on paper but in terms of production I'll take the New Orleans Saints because Evan Ingram he's Evan Ingram you know fumbled a ball last week Caden Smith he has not been in the game plan so you can't really say well Caden Smith you know he's better you could say he's better on paper but in terms of production nothing there Kyle Rudolph really hasn't done much of anything so that tight end room in terms of production not really uh anything special for the New York Giants in terms of the tight end room for the Saints obviously it does not look that great on paper they have Juwan Johnson who's caught two touchdowns this year if I'm going to go into it I do want to pull up their stats it's him, it's Adam Troutman, and another guy. I'm going to pull that up right now. Adam Troutman, uh, Juwan Johnson, who is their, I want to say, fourth leading receiver. So that's that's a plus in terms of comparison-wise. But obviously, I'll take New Orleans, once again, over the New York Giants in terms of production. In terms of O-line, definitely going to take the New Orleans Saints on both. You know, they've had injuries Eric McCoy, Teron Armstead, Andrus P. You know, he's been playing meh. Cesar Ruiz playing meh. But they still manage to win games. You know, I don't necessarily think that their week two loss was because of the O-line. I mean, then again, I didn't watch the game. I don't think they scored enough points. But once again, that could be due to the O-line. The impact of the Panthers defense. What do I know? I'm not a Saints fan. But I think they've been... Better than New York Giants. And on paper, they're so much better. Even with the starting caliber lineup like Armstead. And then you have a guy like Pete. And then it's McCoy. Then it's Ruiz. Then it's Ramchek, who the Giants should have picked a couple of years ago. But the O-line on both sides, I'll take the New York Giants. Now, in terms of D-line, they run a 4-3. We run a 3-4. So it's going to be different in terms of comparisons. In terms of the D-line, the Giants on paper are better. Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams... In terms of production, I'm going to have to go with the New Orleans Saints. Now, they do have defensive ends that are not linebackers. Guys like Cam Jordan. I don't even know how to say this one. I'm probably going to get it wrong. Tano Capasano. I'm going to read his name in a little bit. I have it on paper. Uh, some guys are just getting in there and getting to the quarterback. And it's not just that stopping the run. They're third best in terms of stopping the run, let me take a look at that. I have it on paper. Yeah, the third best in stopping the run this year. So, obviously, that D-line is doing something. In terms of the New York Giants linebackers, Blake Martinez went down. On paper, they're better, but the production hasn't been there. Blake wasn't even his best when he was on the field. I mean, Tay Crowder, in my opinion, you could make cases for in terms of being the better linebacker out of the Giants' core this year. 
And I'm not saying he's the best linebacker in the league or anything like that. I'm not going to go into that. But I think he's been a bright spot on this underperforming defense. So the linebackers will take New Orleans. In terms of cornerbacks, this one's interesting. I'm going to flip slightly and take the Giants on paper. But in terms of uh, New Orleans, I'll take them. In terms of production, because James Bradbury has not been himself. Let's let's be honest. Whether it's coaching, whether it's him not being physical, this and the other thing, he has not been himself. Whatever the reason may be. Odoi Jackson, he's played well. Should have had an interception last week. He got mossed by Ricky Seals Jones in week two, despite playing a good game. But he's been solid, but that really has not lifted the core up. He's not a number one. Now, James Bradbury, if he was playing like last year and Dory Jackson was playing poorly, then you could say, okay, well, you know, this. But in terms of production, I'm going to take the Saints very slightly. Uh, They've had Marshawn Lattimore for a couple of years. They acquired Bradley Roby. They also have a couple other guys. Uh, They have Paulson Adebo, who I think has one interception already this year. He's a rookie out of Stanford that a lot of Giants fans wanted. So, once again, I'll take New Orleans in terms of production and Giants in terms of on paper. On paper doesn't equal the value of production, of course. In terms of safeties, I'll definitely take the New York Giants. The proposed core of Xavier McKinney and Logan Ryan, Jabril Peppers, has not worked out this year. Pepper is not nearly the same player as last year. McKinney, it's taking him a while to get to the player we expect him to be as a second-round pick. And Logan Ryan, he's made some plays here and there, but not too outstanding. In terms of New Orleans, Marcus Williams, Malcolm Jenkins, who's got to be like 33 years old, has been playing since like 2008, and he's just playing some of his best football, in my opinion, at least from what I've seen. The Saints fans could have a different perspective, but I think he's still playing good ball for a 33-year-old. Um Yeah, so in terms of safeties, I'll definitely go with the New Orleans Saints in terms of production on paper, the New York Giants in terms of special teams. I'll take the Giants slightly on both. Graham Gano has been pretty much automatic, and he's just a better kicker than Aldrich Rosas is. So let's go into the 2021 stats, rankings, whatever you want to call it. Start with the Giants first on offense, as we do every week. Total yards, they rank 18th. Passing yards, they rank 17th. Running yards, they rank 11th, most notably because of Daniel Jones. And then points per game, they don't execute, so they rank 25th. That comes with, well, you know, a sack, diminished drive in the red zone, a fumbled snap, a penalty, this, that, and the other thing. The lack of execution is hindering the potential production of the Giants in the red zone. And the only reason that the Giants scored a touchdown in last week's game is because Daniel Jones took the chance. If he had not taken that chance and maybe would have taken a check down or something like that, they were pretty close to the goal line. But if he had not taken that chance and that P.I. would not have been called, Giants would have probably taken the field goal. Then again, many other events would not have happened, but We're not going to second-guess last week's game more than we already have. So, points per game, the 25th. In terms of defense, total yards per game, 
21st, passing yards 21st, so that kind of mirrors, mirrors each other there. In terms of running yards, they're 13th, so slowly trying to make a way to what they were last year. They were in the top 5 or 6 in run defense. Last year, they're obviously 13th. This year, and then points per game, they're 16th, so not that bad. Middle of the pack, but once again, this was supposed to be a top 10 defense, and I still hold them to that standard because of an upgraded roster. My point and my opinion. In terms of the New Orleans Saints, they rank 31st in two categories, believe it or not. In total yards and passing yards, they rank 31st. Mirrors each other again. In terms of running yards, they're 9th. In terms of points per game, they're 14th. Obviously, they had a poor performance against the Carolina Panthers. And then one of the touchdowns they had last week was because of Malcolm Jenkins. But points per game is an offensive stat in terms of scoring points. Not because, well, Kyler Fackrell or this guy or that guy had a pick six or a fumble recovery that ended in a touchdown. No, it's an offensive stat, and that's why we explain it like that. Uh, Let's rhyme, shall we? In terms of the defense, they rank 5th in total yards, 15th in passing yards, 3rd in run defense, and then in terms of points per game allowed, they are 3rd. So, pretty solid defense. Have to admit that. Now, quickly, let's take a look at what they have to offer. What are some players we should watch out for? So, I'm going to really outline the first couple of receiving threats that this team has. Um, actually, I'll do the running attack first because that's more of a threat to the New York Giants. Alvin Kamara, 52 attempts, 177 yards, 3.4 yards per carry. Not necessarily the most attractive, but they get it done because they do rank among the top half of the league in rushing offense. Uh, he has not scored a touchdown in the running game yet, but obviously others have. Tony Jones Jr. as the backup, 16 rushes for 69 yards, 4.3 per carry. Jameis Winston, 14 rushes, 80 yards, 4.3 per carry in a touchdown. Taysom Hill, 10 carries, 49 yards, 4.9 per carry in a touchdown. So the quarterbacks have been getting it done. But I guess Kamara, if he scored any touchdowns this year, has been in the passing game, which you know is... A rarity at this point because of how low the pass production has been for the New Orleans Saints. And I'm not underrating what they can or can't do or whatever because the Giants, you know, have a tendency of underestimating the team and then they get their ass kicked and then we wonder why. In terms of the receiving game, Deontay Harris so far leads the pack with six receptions, 112 yards, and a touchdown. The next guy on the board is Marquez Callaway, who stood out in the preseason. Seven receptions, 63 yards, and a touchdown. Alvin Kamara scored two touchdowns in the receiving game, so I was right on that. Ten receptions, 62 yards. Juwan Johnson, their most productive tight end, seven receptions, 44 yards, two touchdowns. Lil Jordan Humphrey, a total of... One reception, 27 yards. And then Chris Hogan, two receptions, 26 yards, and a touchdown. So seven total passing touchdowns. I was right on that one in like three picks. So, yeah, I was right. So in terms of the old line, before we go to the other guys, their old line, I did say, you know, has the ability to make up for their losses. Like they'll put in this guy and they'll take out this guy because of injury and stuff like that. 
they're a pretty good team in terms of depth. And you don't really see it in the media. You don't really see it anywhere when the offensive line performs horribly unless they get bamboozled by another team. But something that's fallen under the radar is the play of Cesar Ruiz. Andrews Pete really hasn't played well. James Hurst is okay. He's their left tackle for right now. Has been in the league for many, many years. He was with the Ravens and a couple other teams. Calvin Throckmorton or Throckmorton. I don't even know how to pronounce it at this point. And then Ryan Ramchek. But the weakest points of that offensive line from what I've read in terms of blogs. And I do my research and stuff like that. Andres Pete, Cesar Ruiz, those have been the weak points from what I have read. He gave up three pressures in New England despite the Saints winning the game. In terms of Cesar Ruiz, uh, Andres Pete has given up two sacks this season. He's not really been great in pass pro. In terms of James Hurst, he's been okay. Ryan Ramchek, he's Ryan Ramchek, and then Calvin Thockmorton has been okay coming into the role for Ruiz, who switched over to center for Eric McCoy. So, if you're going to put pressure on him at all, and I know the Giants won't because, you know, they really haven't been able to, even against the worst of teams, hint, hint, Atlanta, but you attack that interior. You're not going to be getting past Ryan Ramchek, and if you do, I'll applaud it. But Ojolari, who normally lines up against the right tackle, he's not going to be getting success this week unless he lines up against Hurst. And I'm not saying Hurst is a bad tackle or anything, or he's like the worst in the league, but Ojolari will probably have more success against Hurst than he will Ramchek. It's going to be interesting to see if they flop Ojolari between sides to sides, and then maybe do the same with Carter and Zimenez. Give Quincy Roche a shot. I mean... Not like he's, you know, earned a shit ton of snaps or anything, but, you know, at this point with Carter not being himself and Zimenez not doing anything, you might as well just put in Quincy Roche. Uh, Also, another thing to um, note about the O-line, Jameis Winston has been sacked seven times in the two past games. Also, another thing to note about the O-line, Jameis Winston has been sacked seven times in the past two games Though these teams are better defensively. Carolina, New England. Carolina sacked him four times. New England sacked him three times. In terms of quarterback hits, Carolina hit him 11 times. New England hit him seven times. So that is something to definitely note. Now let's move to the defensive side, which happens to be the brighter spot for New Orleans. It really has been for the past couple of years now, at least from what I remember. They're second in interceptions. Second in the league in interceptions. With six, three versus Mac Jones. So, once again, Mac Jones is a rookie. He'll make those mistakes, but, you know, they make plays on the ball and they take advantage of a rookie's mistakes. It doesn't matter if it's a rookie. It could be, you know, a quarterback that's been in this league for like five years, 12 years. Who cares? They had two against Aaron Rodgers and one versus Darnold. So, you know, they have the ability to force turnovers, whether it's fumbles, whether it's interceptions, whatever. Don't make any stupid mistakes. And from what I heard from Kid Blue, who does a great job, if you haven't already checked him out, he said this on a stream that I was on last night, Friday night, with Kush and Nate and uh, She Got Sports. He said that they're a very heavy man defense, man-to-man, and that Daniel Jones is statistically good against man defenses. So will he tear them up? I don't think so, but we'll see what happens. 
But there are some players who definitely look out for on the defensive side of the ball. Cameron Jordan, that name automatically comes to mind. I think he had two sacks against Eli Manning a couple of years ago when Chad Wheeler was the right tackle. He's been there for years. Eight quarterback pressures, total of 10 tackles, two tackles for a loss, five quarterback hits, one pass deflection. So he's still playing at a high level for a man who's crossing into his 30s. Demario Davis, who destroyed the Giants the last time in 2018, he had 11 tackles, two sacks, and two tackles for a loss. Obviously, the tackles for a loss do not count as sacks. Flip it the other way around. Uh, the sacks don't ca- count for uh, tackles for a loss. Basically, putting the cherry on top to the point that Saquon Barkley didn't have much success in the backfield. Anyway, let's talk about 2021 so far. He has had 24 tackles, probably leading the team at this point. He's played mostly 100% of the snaps other than week one. Has a total of three tackles for a loss and no sacks, but he can probably pressure the quarterback if the Saints put him in that position. They really haven't done that yet because he has no QB hits or pressures. Marshawn Lattimore, their top cornerback. Pretty good to start the year statistically. I don't watch film, so I'm going to go over over the stats here um once again i don't watch film i know stats tell one side of the story but marshawn Lattimore, in two games so far one interception seven for 15 quarterbacks are against him that's a 46.7 completion percentage 106 yards allowed 15.1 per completion allowed 7.1 yards allowed per target no interceptions no touchdowns given up and a 42.6 passer rating with 13 tackles and one quarterback pressure for Paulson Adebo who's like a fourth round pick out of Stanford if I'm getting the round wrong he's a draft pick out of Stanford he's performed well statistically this year not too bad quarterbacks are 14 for 23 against them he also has an interception 60.9 completion percentage allowed 157 yards allowed 11.2 yards allowed per completion 6.8 allowed yards per target two touchdowns and 92.1 passer rating so the stats on him are there 15 tackles as well malcolm jenkins who is still playing at a high level for someone who's 33 years old in coverage he hasn't been bad 60 percent completion quarterbacks are against him he has an interception that turned into a pick six because john o. smith didn't catch the ball and mac jones once again that was his first pick six given up and in his career Quarterbacks are 9 for 15 against Jenkins. Give up 62 yards, 41.5 passer rating allowed, 6.9 yards allowed per completion, and 4 point yards allowed per target. So, once again, not bad for Jenkins, who's 33 years old. Now, I'm going to stumble and mumble this name, but you know what? Let's get it over with Tano Pasignan. If I'm saying that correctly, if I'm not saying that correctly, I apologize. He's played 35% of the defensive snaps so far, but is the sack leader for this team. He's got four pressures, two sacks, and three quarterback hits. So nothing spectacular, but he is the sack leader for the team. So that has to be remarked on. Uh, As for their first-round pick, I believe out of Houston, Peyton Turner. One quarterback hit, 31% of the defensive snaps played, and five quarterback pressures, one sack as well. So... 
something to note for the defense. I guess they do. It rotationally, it's like a sack by committee outside of Cam Jordan. Now, in terms of explosive plays, we know the Giants are not necessarily a master in terms of those. But the Saints, not too much of a master in those either. Calculated by ESPN as plays over 20 yards. They have three explosive plays and the Giants have nine. So, we got to see Sunday what they do. They may change the game plan for more explosive plays. They may do checkdowns and slants and crossing routes they could do that they could do as i just said you know the explosive plays or whatever but i guess with the passing attack not being as vital they don't have as many explosive plays in terms of the running game obviously the stats tell one story the rushing game tells another story they really haven't had any 20 plus yard runs so that may change that may change because the giants are the giants but Question is the answer. Offense and defense, I give five questions each. Then we'll go to keys to win. Then we'll do final thoughts. So, we already have number one answered. Who will play left guard? It's probably going to be Matt Skura. Jonathan Harrison, Wes Martin could be options, but it's likely going to be Matt Skura. Next to Billy Price and Andrew Thomas. Who's played well this year, despite having four teammates next to him in four games? Will this offense score in the red zone? 33.3 success rate which ranks 30th in the NFL it has to be execution and it also has to be play calling uh, we could blame play calling for this that, and the other thing and it's definitely valuable points but the execution has to be there we can't ruin a drive because oh well this guy gave up a sack this guy got a penalty this guy fumbled the football it cannot happen can't happen but we're already at the stage where we're kind of expecting that because the Giants are the Giants. I hate to be quoting that so many times about the Giants being the Giants. But hey, you know, are they the Saints? Are they any other team? Are they playing winning football? No. Who becomes the most involved? Tony, Galladay, or Johnson? John Ross is also coming back. So that is a positive for the New York Giants. I'm going to say Galladay. But I also think the second guy who's going to be most involved is either Evan Ingram or Colin Johnson. Because they love Evan Ingram so much that he fumbles the football. And even after that, they give him the ball like crazy, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And then you have Colin Johnson. You know, no disrespect to him, but Kadarius Tony has been here longer than he has. And Colin Johnson has gotten... More opportunities to catch the ball. I don't really like that. I don't really like that. But it's probably going to be something like Galladay, then Ingram, then Johnson, then Ross, then Tony. I don't know. I may be right. I may be wrong. Will Saquon do more or less against the Saints? I'm going to say less. Obviously, last week, rushed for 51 yards and a touchdown. He may get a touchdown because of a red zone thing where it's like a penalty or something or the Giants get a turnover and they're at the goal line or something like that. But I'm not going to count on him to have even 50 rushing yards. He's not himself and this O-line cannot block who's in front of them in the run game. That's just a sad truth that all Giants fans have to admit. And in terms of number five, does Jason Garrett stretch the field or does he let Daniel Jones stretch the field? You got 
Galladay, you got Colin Johnson, and you also have John Ross coming back. All of them have the ability to stretch the field. I don't think it's going to happen, though. I think they're going to say, okay, they're a good defense. Let's play everything underneath. I feel like that's going to happen. Jason Garrett cannot change his ways, doesn't want to change his ways, and this is why the offense is worse than everybody looks at it to be. Statistically, and also the eye test. Now let's take a look at the defense. Will Patrick Graham be able to apply pressure to Jameis? We're not the Saints defense. I know we're kind of saying, oh, we're talking about the Saints, but we're also mentioning the Saints defense. We're not the Saints. We're not the Panthers. We're not the Broncos. We're not the Patriots. But with the O-line injuries and the way that Cesar Ruiz and Andres Pete have been playing, you got to apply pressure. You got to apply pressure. Jameis, he's a rushing quarterback, but you got to contain him in the pocket. I don't care if their passing offense is first, 31st, or 21st. Apply the pressure. Because he's been sacked seven times in the last two weeks. Obviously, he's somewhat vulnerable to sacks. And many people have started to quote this. And I'm getting on that train very slowly. That quarterbacks are getting more involved in how many times they've been hit, how many times they've been pressured, how many times they've been sacked, because there are mobile quarterbacks and more mobile quarterbacks across the league coming into this league. Whatever, Jameis is mobile. Uh, he's not Eli Manning or Ben Roethlisberger. He is mobile. Number two, will the defense come away with the turnover? Last week, their only turnover, from what I know, and I watched the full game, was Naziz Ojolari forced fumble, Giants recover, but only seven seconds left to go. One timeout. Giants couldn't do anything with that, so they went to the locker room, kneeled it out. You gotta force a turnover. Because it's gonna help your offense. And I was just about to say, well, the defense is gonna be on the field for a while. If they allow a lot of rushing yards, which they might, that's possible. Their pass defense, it's okay. It's it's nothing to talk about like we've been expecting. But a turnover would really help. Not just one, but two. Because this offense against this defense is not going to score anything. I give them 10 points, to be honest with you, at most. Because this A is a good defense. B, Giants cannot execute. Three... It's going to be in garbage time, so we'll see what happens. But, you know, I can be wrong. I can be right. Does Aziz get his fourth sack of the year keep streaking like that? And if not, who will get to Jameis first? So it has to be one of the interior guys if it's not going to be Ojolari. Ojolari is likely going against Ramchek. Not really something I like because Ramchek is an all-pro. He's a pro bowler. You know, unlike James Hurst, who's been mostly a backup tackle in his career. You know, if you pair him against Hurst, he has more of a chance to get to the quarterback. Now, it is possible he does get his fourth sack, whether he's blitzing on the inside or he's getting a sack, a coverage sack, as a lot of people like to say. But if it's not him, it's got to be someone from the interior. Austin Johnson, you know, he's been playing decent for this Giants defense. He has two sacks so far, which is second on the team, I believe. And then you have Leonard Williams, who really hasn't shown up much. You know, you can make the case Dalvin Tomlinson, this, that, and the other thing. 
but he has not been able to sack the quarterback. He's had two missed sacks, which is more than he sacked the quarterback this year, which is one. So, <sighs> will this unit be able to stop Alvin Kamara and Gadget Taysom Hill? They were not able to stop Lamar Jackson last year, despite having a good run defense. They were not able to stop J.K. Dobbins, Justice Hill. I think they still had Ingram at that time, but he may have been inactive. I don't know, but I just see this as another Ravens game for the Giants' rush defense. I don't think it's going to be anything to talk about on the Giants' side other than this defense was pretty poor against the New Orleans Saints. That's what I think. That's what I think. But uh, once again, I can be wrong. I'm not very optimistic, and you guys can kind of see that. But let's go back real quickly. Take a trip in the time machine to about three-ish years ago when the Giants faced the Saints in New Jersey. I'm not going to say in New York, in New Jersey. Uh, Taysom Hill, he had four rushes for 28 yards, even a fake punt, which the Giants special teams just let him get. Alvin Kamara, he had a pretty big game against the New York Giants. 19 carries, 134 yards, and Three touchdowns, 7.1 yards per carry. That's big. That's big. Taysom Hill also had 10 yards passing, one for two. Um, Dwayne Washington, who was the third string at the time, from what I believe, had two rushes for two yards. Nothing much there, but Kamara had a big day. Number five, will the defense be less aggressive and play more zone-like? I feel like that's going to be the situation because I think Patrick Graham, and I'm not saying this is anything have to do with ego or this any other thing but I feel like he's going to underestimate the Saints their wide receivers and their passing attacks so he's going to be like okay well we got to focus on the running game so what we're going to do is James you're going to keep playing 10 yards off the ball from the receiver Adoree this do the same thing or whatever I just feel like he's going to underestimate them now whether that comes to fruition or not we'll see on Sunday but I definitely think that's a possibility so Keys to win, number one, is stop the run. Obviously, defense wasn't necessarily the greatest issue last week, though they did give up the game-winning drive. Um, they got to stop the run here. Kamara had a big day a couple of years ago against the Giants, and the Giants don't have a great track record of winning in the Dome. So you got to stop the run, whether it's Jameis, whether it's Alvin Kamara, whether it's Taysom Hill. you got to stop the run. If you don't stop the run, it's going to be a long day. And that, you know, you can make them one-dimensional if you do stop the run and if you do a pretty good job because their passing offense is next to worst in the league. Number two, execute and score in the red zone. That's going to be very important if the Giants can even make it down the field. We've seen that they've been very good moving the ball. They've been very good moving the ball downfield. But once they get to that 20-yard line, they can't do anything. They can't execute. Bad snap, fumble, uh... Let's see what else. Turnover, this, that, and the other thing, a sack. You can find a lot of reasons why the Giants don't execute in the red zone. And it's going to be very important because, once again, this is a top defense. And it also depends on how much time is New Orleans on the field in terms of offense. Because if they're on the field for a pretty long time, it's going to be crunch time for the Giants offense. And it's going to come down to them scoring in the red zone and not just field goals. Number three, pressure Jameis Winston. Sacked seven times in the last two games. Though they are pretty good defenses, Giants have to get there. 
They really haven't had a pass rush all season, despite the upgrade or partial upgrade in talent. Leonard Williams is not getting there. Aziz has been carrying this pass rush, and he's very streaky. He's very inconsistent. Um, but we do need more pressure there. And Patrick Graham, in my opinion, does need to decide, hey, am I going to play more zone, man? Am I going to do this, that, and the other thing? He needs to make up his mind. You can't have one foot in the grave and the other still kicking. That's just my opinion on things. But in terms of final thoughts, not much. To be honest with you guys, I think the Giants are going to lose this one 24-10. It could start out as close, then get really... Not close, for lack of better words, towards the end. The Saints will take a much bigger lead. Then the Giants will probably score a touchdown in garbage time. And then many questions will come to surface whether Jason Garrett will be fired. I don't think he will be. There's a possibility that after week four, if the offense doesn't do good, you know there is a possibility he does get fired. But I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't. Because Joe Judge, if he didn't agree with it, he would have stepped in. But it seems like him as a conservative coach, you know, he agrees with it. It seems like it. I'm not saying he's developing the scheme or anything, but the way it's looking like, it is looking like he does agree with the scheme, and he's saying, okay, this, this, and this. But uh, I think the Giants' defense will do the best job they can, but the offense is not going to sustain drives. That's the problem. But if you guys haven't already, like, comment, subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops video drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Um, might do something in terms of a Yankees kind of like season recap or just like a thing that revolves around the last series. They get in the wild card, whatever. It's going to be definitely on the outcome of the race series. It's going to be made on the outcome, you know, depending on it, really. I could either do that or just to have a big discussion on the Boys of the Big Apple podcast, which is 8, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube, talking a lot of sports, Giants, Jets, Steelers, anything you want to talk about, you just plug in the chat. We'll answer your questions to the best of our ability. This podcast is going to be released on Tuesdays and Sun, excuse me, Tuesdays and Saturdays. Probably 12.30 p.m. is my target time. I want to get this more consistent so you guys know when to expect it. And so we could get some new listeners in as well. I appreciate all the support we're getting, whether it's international or inside the United States. I think that's it from here. Hopefully the Giants surprise me. I don't think they will, but hopefully they do. Peace out. See you later, guys. Stay cool.